This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the PC desktop games that created the collective unconscious of those who savor watching YouTube playthroughs of girly girl games. I'm Hannah Leach, a writer, musician, audio producer, and unashamed gamer. And I'm Audrey Leach, director, editor, producer, and one of the turtles in the Barbie Pet Rescue minigame. <laughs> We are the sister duo, also known as Tuping Productions, and we haven't stopped thinking about these games since we first played them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the media that first inspired our love for pop culture in an attempt to answer the question, is this actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if it is? Today we are talking about three incredible PC games from our childhood. Barbie Nail Designer, Barbie Sparkling Ice Show, and Barbie Pet Rescue. Ooh, nails! Where'd you get them done? My computer! Fire up the Barbie Nail Designer! Whoa! I'm painting mine blue! <laughs> I'm making some polka dots! Love that! Hey, let's print them! Tick them on! Great nails! <laughs> Make the flowers! A watermelon! A ladybug! I'm wearing these to Sue's party! Look! Sparkly! I have too many ideas and not enough fingers! Design nails for fingers and toes with the Barbie Nail Designer CD-ROM. Your color printer and Windows 95 are higher. We found them! Rescue all kinds of pets with Barbie Pet Rescue CD-ROM. little pets, what you gonna do? Help get them out of trouble. Barbie and you! Lots of fun games, you're on the right track. Pet them and wash them. Cute! We got our little friends back, yeah! Barbie Pet Rescue CD-ROM for Windows 95 and above rated E. Hi, I'm Barbie. Welcome to our sparkling ice show. Help Christy, Teresa, and me create and practice routines so we can put on sparkling ice shows in the world's most amazing ice skating rinks. Girls, I am so excited for this episode. We have like danced around this as a concept for a long time. Yeah. And I just have to give credit where credit is due. Our beloved friend of the pod, merch designer, Joey and I were talking like a couple weeks ago and they were like, have you ever considered doing an episode on a girly girl game? And I was like, yeah. But then as we've moved through this season, we've been really wanting to change things up and we thought that now would be a good time. I really hope that you've played at least one of these games. Even if you haven't, I think that we will keep it entertaining. I've got to come up with ways to like be immersive in the edit. And of course, if you're just listening right now, continue to listen. But there's definitely going to be a 
very much an added element if you go to the video version. Yes, yes, definitely. Especially if you didn't play the games. It would be worth seeing the visuals. For the sake of clarity, I'm going to stop saying Barbie before each of their names just because it's making it really unwieldy. One piece of terminology that we should know going into this, if you guys don't know this word, is called shovelware. Do you know what shovelware is, Audrey? No. So basically shovelware is like, okay, I made... Let's say I am the creative team behind Madagascar (laughs) and you like want a video game of like for your IP, whatever it is, you like ship it out to a random developer and then they make like a kind of shitty game of it. And those games are referred to as shovelware. And there's so many of those. Yes. Like, oh my God, it is shocking. Like when, whenever there was a like old Nintendo game store in New York that I would go into sometimes because it's just fun to look at what they have. Yeah. And it'd be like, (laughs) it'd be like one of those little cartridge games for like Cadet Kelly. Yes. Like why the hell is there Cadet, you know, stuff like that. Well, I will say, so Sean, who is our lovely mix engineer, he gave me and Josh like this extremely hacked Wii U for Christmas. And one of the things on this Wii U is like an emulator for a million old games. And there's a ton of shovelware on that emulator. Like I was sending you pictures. It's like Cheetah Girls level, like like Audrey was saying with Cadet Kelly. There's so many of them. And it's just such a bummer because they're like the most basic cheap games ever. Like I know. Because that was... That's why they were made. Just buy them for their label and their brand. And then you, the yeah. game itself is like, it could be anything. Like there's nothing yes. about it that really immerses you in any way. <laughs> like, Yeah. This is also reminding me that we have to do an episode on Dream Life. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys remember Plug and Play Dream Life, these games are kind of interesting because they're sort of like on the line between shovelware and like normal games because it's not like it's a standalone property or standalone movie that's getting a game based off it. It's like a brand. There's a bunch of different developers involved in these games. So who made the three games we're talking about today? It looks like Mattel Interactive managed all Barbie games from 1996 until 2000, where they then offloaded the work to Vivendi Universal Games, which I thought was funny because I definitely recognized... Vivendi when I saw it. So Nail Designer was made by Mattel in 1998 and was developed by Mattel Media. And then Pet Rescue was made by Hot Gen Studios and Sparkling Ice Show was made by Chrome Studios. Very outsourced. Also, a lot of these studios have like gone defunct now or were like acquired and then that company was acquired and so on and so forth. Okay, Obviously, we've never done a games episode before, so this format is going to be a little bit of a demo. So just go with us on this process. I think I think we have a pretty good layout, though. What is Barbie Nail Designer? Hi, I'm Barbie. Welcome to Nail Designer. Let's have fun with fashion nail. I think, Audrey, we should each give one sentence to sum up what the game is. <clears throat> Barbie Nail Designer is a simple click and play. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it, it's a very simple game in which the player gets to choose various colors and or patterns to paint Barbie's nails with in the first person. Wait. <laughs> like you're Wait. looking at the hand. Like it's not like... You're looking at your own hand because Barbie's sitting across from you. Oh, yeah. Wait. Why am I painting my own nails? 
Oh, damn. <laughs> because of the printable element. Right. But, like, that is weird. Like, it's not even, like, that's not, okay, well, that's a that's sort of a plot hole to me. Like, in my head, I was, like, it kind of feels like, like, in my head, it was like I was doing someone else's nails. I believe that may have just been your four-year-old <laughs> brain on that one. It's not my hand. So... <laughs> Well, you also did have, like, really distinctive child hands, so maybe that was part of it. But, okay, Barbie Nail Designer is a 2D point-and-click game, which is the technical term, where you are guided by manicurist Barbie on a journey of creating your own nail polishes and nail designs with the Ending intent of printing them out onto sticker paper and wearing them in real life. And who actually had the damn supplies for that? (laughs) Well, okay, so the game did come with, like, the right paper to print the stuff on. Okay, I think we only did it once. And there is a picture of us with them that clearly we'll be sharing. But the logistics of the printing are a little sketchy, which we're going to talk about when we get into this review down here. Before we get into the review, this is how the game was received. (laughs) In the week ending October 24th of 1998, it was the third best-selling game after Deer Hunter 2 and Need for Speed 3. In the week ending November 14th, the game was one of the top three best-selling titles alongside Barbie Riding Club and Railroad Tycoon 2. In the week ending December 5th, 1998, it was the seventh best-selling game. According to Happy Puppy, the title is, quote, nothing like a game. And then we have this review from Karen DeBolt. It was written on April 20th, 2000 on Amazon. She gave it two out of five stars. The title of the review is a typo, but it's really awful. Buggy software. So this is what Karen said, literal Karen. My girls, ages five and seven, begged me for this software. I finally gave in, even though the whole concept of creating fake fingernails did not appeal to me. They enjoyed the music selections that play while you create the nails, which is the main reason I gave it two stars instead of one. The program comes with some sticker sheets, which only contain one set of nails each and wastes tons and tons of printable space. I found (laughs) it completely impossible to line up the paper so that the little squares would print in the correct spot extremely irritating. Once I got them somewhat lined up, the girls were very disappointed in the final product. It sparkles on the screen, not on the paper after all. My five-year-old will on occasion go in and make up some nails and listen to music, but she will be bored in about 10 minutes and on to another game. One of the things that made me want to make this episode so badly is that I just decided to look up the reviews for fun the other day, and people were, like, putting pen to paper in the early 2000s for these Amazon reviews. As you can see with this next one, it's March 31st, 2016 by Anna. Five stars. She wrote, satisfied. (laughs) And that was it. So I just went on Twitter and I just looked up Barbie Nail Designer and this is some of the good stuff that I found. Nail Designer Barbie was the best. I played one song on repeat and my sister would yell at me to turn off the sound. (laughs) At Simpson OK says, I want to get that Barbie Nail Designer thing to put at Cody Simpson on my nails. My nails will have hashtag swag. Swaggy. Excuse me. It's (laughs) swaggy. 
Okay, that's from 2011. That's the most 2011 thing I've ever read. Mm -hmm. Um, At Emily All Over, who remembers the butterfly song from Barbie Nail Designer Computer Game? That is like probably the major hit. We do. Yeah. Fly girl, fly, fly, fly. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Fly girl, butterfly, fly. I'm your funny girlfriend with a sunny disposition. From this year at Blissful Travels says, all of this Barbie talk reminds me of their nail designer game and that soundtrack had major hits. (laughs) It did. And then finally at Hobbesynthesis. Okay, but do you have my back like the people commenting on the Barbie nail designer OST I uploaded to YouTube two years ago have my back? Thought as such. (laughs) And there was a screenshot attached to it of someone commenting like, you are a national treasure. Like, (laughs) so excited. Okay, so... The soundtrack to this game is so iconic. Even our parents, like, knew these songs. Really, the main thing of the game is, like, a very basic nail painting function and then these, like, banging original songs. So I have some major, major information about these songs, but you're going to have to wait for the second half to get it. Just know I did some internet sleuthing. I tracked down some niche celebrities and they're joining us on this episode. So just prepare yourself for that in the second half. Next is Barbie Sparkling Ice Show. We're ready to start our sparkling ice tour. First stop, International City Park. Audrey, would you like to take a crack at it? Sure. What a confounding game. (laughs) Um, Barbie Sparkling Ice Show. (laughs) What would you even call that? It's not point. It's 3D. Is a 3D animated rudimentary. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite point and click, but like basic game. (laughs) Yeah. In which you give Barbie and the proper environment and look. in which to perform her figure skating routines to utter silence. (laughs) That was a wonderful performance. You get nothing but the sound of her Uh, scraping. That's all you get. You really get nothing. However, she could perform in France. She could perform (laughs) in Hawaii or... um, In heaven. In heaven. (laughs) (laughs) She might just get some flowers thrown at her feet. I don't know. It it might not be every time. However, if you you perform to Barbie's standard, you might have a chance of a standing O from an invisible audience. Oh, okay. I don't think I could describe it any better than that because that really captures the essence of how damn weird this game is. But okay. Barbie Sparkling Ice Show (laughs) is a 3D ice skating simulator game where where Barbie is auto-steered around (laughs) an ice rink. And when you you skate over the the snowflake, you press space. And then she does like a kind of half-assed ice skating move. (laughs) Um, 
And as Audrey said, you pick different locations, pick different outfits that are really good, which we'll talk about more later. And And you don't even have to be white uh, in this game. So there's that. I was going to say that too. Here's my thing. Okay, we're going to come back to the silence element because I wrote stuff about it in the second half. It is a mystery. It's crazy, and it actually, like, went against my memory. I think it was just that, because I watched two playthrough videos, and it was in silence, but there is a soundtrack to the game that I listened to on YouTube also, and I know that there was music with the skating when we played it. Like, I'm so confused about that. But the skating in abject silence was really fucking funny (laughs) in the the playthrough, so (laughs) at least there's that. And it's just that voice going like, fantastic. <laughs> I know. Or when they, when they put out the decorations and she's like, that's so cute. <laughs> cool decoration. The reviews for Barbie Sparkling Ice Show. The reviews said, Seven Wolf wrote that the game was pleasant, relaxing, and most importantly, not annoying. Edutaining kids praised the engaging graphics and ability to be learned quickly. The Odyssey Online wrote the game was difficult to play for (laughs) non-skaters. The Odyssey Online. You don't have to know anything about ice skating. So I got that off Wikipedia, and some of these Wikipedia articles were clearly, like... So we have this review written by Jay High on January 7th, 2003. They gave the review two out of five stars. Audrey, it's your time. Written by Jay High on January 7th, 2003. Two out of five stars. And the title is, eh, save your money. My daughter, almost four, begged for this game all holiday season. It was the sweetest thing because she shyly told Santa this is what she wanted and told people all December that Santa would bring it for her. Well, he did, and his reputation is tarnished in our house now. She was bored with it the first time she played with it. Your child's interaction consists of choosing which girl of three to skate. Fun. What? (laughs) Choosing which outfit of five to wear. Fun. And pressing the up or down arrow to make Barbie skate faster or slower to do the jumps. Z, Z, Z to indicate the sleeping of the child or something. (laughs) Not by your own choice. You move the arrow to match the color of the line on the ice. Freestyle mode wasn't much better. Go round and round in circles. There may be more to it, but who cares at this point? My own personal mommy beef... Barbie never falls. Barbie either does the jump perfectly or doesn't do it at all. I figured they could put a little extra effort into the design and give the kids the all-important, even if subliminal, message that it's okay to not be perfect and that it's normal to fall or fail, as the case may be. But again, it's Barbie, the perfect girl with the unattainable proportions. So what can you expect? Not to, not to, we're probably going to go through this whole episode without like bringing it full circle. I mean, I guess maybe we should at the very end or something. All we have to do is say Barbie movie and then it's come full circle, but we can try. Unless you have a more sophisticated thought. For me, it would just be the question of do the Barbie games even contribute to the legend that is Barbie or does it just feel completely separate? Okay, yeah. Yeah. All right, we can talk about that when we get to the end. Written by Amazon customer on February 15th, 2004. Title, Not just for little kids. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) 
Barbie Sparkling Ice Show is a fabulous game. These are more typos and can really inspire creativity and imagination. And that's coming from someone who's 13 years old. Oh, see here. I thought yeah. they were going to be like, I'm 26. Um, yeah. This game allows you to pick routines, music, costumes, and fun stuff like decorations and ice color and put it all together to make fabulous, fabulous routines for Barbie, <laughs> Christy, and Teresa on the five stops of the you sparkling ice tour. But once you finish the tour, the fun doesn't end there. You can continue on skating cool exhibition shows using all of the details of previous shows. I found this game to be a lot of fun, not at all boring. Granted, it may be a little bit too easy to get through all of the tour stops, but the fun doesn't stop since you can create a username and start all over again or continue doing skating exhibitions. It is a fabulous game for all figure skating and Barbie fans, not to mention that it is so much fun. Anyone ages five and up will enjoy this wonderful game. Who is this 13-year-old and why are they pretending like they... Are an adult? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, but I hope that they're living a good adult life. Okay. And then there were just a few tweets about Sparkling Eyes show. This was a tweet from 2020 from at Tyler from Debate. Parents should have known I would grow up to be a homosexual when I was five years old and all I ever did was play Barbie Sparkling Eyes show on our shitty PC. <laughs> and then it was a bunch of screenshots of the game. Next one, at Craigslist Killer. Why do summer reading when you can play Barbie Sparkling Eyes show? And lastly, at Taliaza. Can't wait to build my PC so I can play Barbie Sparkling Eyes show. <laughs> it's really not that enthralling, guys, but... It's not, but the outfits are really good. Last but not least, we have Barbie Pet Rescue. Hi, Barbie. How was your ride? Great, Stacy. It's a beautiful day, and I found the lost kitten. Here we are back at the Pet Rescue Center. You're safe now. Any calls while I was gone? We did get a call about a lost animal causing some mischief. What do you think it could be, Barbie? Hmm, I don't know, Stacy, but I can't wait to find out. Barbie Pet Rescue is, I would say, a point-and-click 3D animated game with a bit more of a complex storyline and tasks than these other two games that we've talked about. There are missions. You are the new assistant at Barbie's Pet Rescue, and you need to go with Barbie to help her save various pets and to bring them back to the pet rescue. The slash, pet rescue center. Slash yeah. vet. It's kind of a vet. Take care of them, pet them, etc. <laughs> Mm -hmm. play mini games with them. <laughs> One thing Barbie's going to do in this game, she's going to pose. Yes. And she's going to walk around a lot unnecessarily. <laughs> yeah. Barbie Pet Rescue is a 3D point-and-click game involving rescuing cute pets that are animated in a weirdly good way, which we'll talk more about yeah. later. Barbie Pet Rescue is the placeholder game for kids who want to have pets that their parents... That's what I said. Yeah, won't let them have pets. I put that in my note. Also, there were, like, no reviews for this game. I tried to find them. They didn't exist. And so... Or, like, the critic reviews. I couldn't find any. Here is uh, a review. Okay, written by Amazon customer on January 26, 2001. 
They gave it four out of five stars. The most adorable maintenance-free pets ever. <laughs> My six-year-old daughter received this CD-ROM for Christmas and ignoring all her other multitudes of gifts, proceeded to play it for the entire day. The graphics on this program are just so lifelike and the faces on these little critters are just so adorable. You can't help but fall in love with them. This program is wonderful for encouraging empathy and caring and for encouraging problem-solving skills. There are many different missions that require your child's, quote, help in rescuing various <laughs> animals, including a monkey and a cockatoo, from all sorts of sneaky and precarious spots. <laughs> There's also a vet center, but no bills to pay, and fun games in the playroom that include a turtle race and a hamster maze. In addition, your child is encouraged to pet and groom the critters. <laughs> All in all, a wonderful product. My only complaint is that you couldn't click on more things to make them do stuff. But that's just me. A super program nonetheless, especially for young girls who love animals. Agreed. It is an excellent program for young girls who love animals. Okay, this next reviewer was not happy. Written by me on January 2nd, 2000. They didn't even want to put their name on this shit. Okay, three out of five stars. Great for most, but not the one I care for. <laughs> I was surprised by the great reviews on this game, so it might just be me and the five-year-old I bought it for. I was so excited to buy this game for her. She loves animals, especially dogs, and I thought this would be great for her. Unfortunately, she hasn't played it for more than an hour. She finds the hamster maze extremely frustrating, as do I. She wanted to give <laughs> the golden retriever a bath when she first started but was unable to. She could only bathe the pets she rescued, or so I am told. She was also annoyed that only Stacy could answer the phone for the rescue. She asked, how come Barbie couldn't answer it? I give it a three star because the graphics are really nice and it seemed to have a good storyline. It just didn't impress the five-year-old much. Guess she'll stick to the putt-putt games. Yeah. I love that the review is like, why isn't this a different game? Yeah, I'm like, why can't why can't you wash the lab? Because it's not your time to wash the lab. Okay. And then lastly, these tweets. From at Cat Princess Queen, should have never smoked that shit. Now I'm in Barbie Pet Rescue. <laughs> <laughs> Next one, at Babe Cicada. I fucking wish I was playing Barbie Pet Rescue right now. <laughs> <laughs> then lastly, M. Louise. IDK, I just feel like Barbie Pet Rescue really shaped me into the woman I am today. Probably These true. games are being, they're being discussed. Yeah. They're really being discussed. Okay, so if you are not familiar with these games, or even if you are familiar with these games, we highly recommend going to YouTube and watching some playthroughs. I'll actually link them in the episode description too, just for ease of access. They're so good, especially if you play them as a kid, like it will all come rushing back to you. It's honestly pretty thrilling. So go do that. And we will meet you here after the break. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. 
Welcome back, girlies. Remember back earlier in the episode, Audrey, when I said that I had some interesting information on the soundtrack of Barbie Nail Designer? I do. I do recall. In an impressively short amount of time, I do have to say, I was able to track down the composer and the producer of the Barbie Nail Designer soundtrack. They are a mother and son team, and I actually got a chance to talk with them yesterday, like very much in under the wire for this episode, but I really, really thought that we just had to do it. So here's just a little bit of behind-the-scenes information on the soundtrack for Barbie Nail Designer. No interview has ever been higher stakes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really proud of myself for like the like the private investigation work that led me down this path. I have to give a big shout out to whoever went on answers.com and wrote down some names for the singers on the songs. I don't know how the hell this person on answers.com knew. I ended up getting in contact with one of the singers and then she directed me to our guests. Oh my God, I'm so excited to talk to you guys. (laughs) Well, we're excited to talk to you too. I'm Shane Madden, and I was one of the composers for and producers of the music for the project. And um, I did many things, many games with Mattel, Mm -hmm. but that was just one of them. I think you even sang on one of the songs. I think I did sing on one of the songs. You were the girl. Well, I'm Jan Bozarth, and um, I am, let's start by saying Shane Shane is my son, and I am his mother, and that, that makes us a very unusual songwriting team, but we, <laughs> we wrote the song, Shane produced all the songs. The way we used to work more often than not is that I would be the lyricist, and Shane mm-hmm. would make the melodies and the beats and, you know, produce produce out each song. I was also, on this particular game, though, I was also a co-producer and designer with uh, the ladies at Stunt Puppy Entertainment. And I did a bunch Mm -hmm. of jobs with Stunt Puppy. And it was a really fun group of women who were producing a lot of things for Mattel and other people as well. So it was fun because I was in the hole with the content itself. The content's very simple. And at the time, that was very complex to have something that could be printed out on your computer based on your gameplay. And then the other part of the complexity for the times, 1998, was the fact that we had a full music track that you could just sit and listen to these songs just like a CD in your CD player. And so for us as songwriters, this was a really great opportunity. We were writing full songs. That was, I think, pretty um, groundbreaking for the time. And also it suited us as songwriters because that's really what we wanted to do anyway, uh, rather than do the incidental music in the background it was more like writing songs so people could kind of the kids could kind of groove to it while they're doing their (laughs) their project (laughs) oh yeah we were grooving for sure that's that's so cool to hear because you know we released this thing we don't know you know what people really think about it if we're being made fun of or people you know probably a little (laughs) both (laughs) we do know that this particular game sold very very well in the for those times, as well as even for these times, it would be considered mm-hmm. it, right? And, you know, everybody likes to say that making a really complicated game is, 
you know, the thing to do, but sometimes making a really simple game is harder to do. So, you know, given the times and the fact that there weren't a lot of girl games and you guys were probably grooving on the fact there was something made just for you. And Mm -hmm. so it was fun. It was good for us all the way around. So... I'm curious, as you sort of just alluded to this, but you got to write full songs for this game. Did Mattel come to you and say, write us a set of songs that sounds like the pop music of today? Did they give you clear directives or did they already have a relationship with you guys and they were just like, go for it? Yeah, we had already done some music for different Barbie games, but they never dictated to us what to write, how many songs to write. Mm. It was really open-ended in our, our producer. We had a lot of creative license, um, and we also had kind of an, a li- liaison in the company that kind of was our producer that helped champion us. So they, she was just like yeah, do that. Whatever you want to do, do it. And we did it and it worked. I knew the play patterns of girls in that age group. And so it was easy for me to say, oh, we need a song about this or we need a song about that, you know, but yeah. there, was, that was it. there was no direction. Sometimes they'd ask us to tweak something, but it was after we had submitted the songs. That's so cool. What other Barbie games have you worked on or other like girly games in general? Well, so the relationship that I had with Mattel came from a couple of years earlier. I was hired initially to be music director for a brand new company here in Austin called Girl Games. And it was the very first company to ever focus on girl games. And very quickly, we got a relationship with Mattel. I ended up producing one of the first games that Shane and I worked on music for was a game based on the movie Clueless which Mattel had to do the game on that. And that was the same thing. It's like we're writing music for a major motion picture spinoff, right? Mm -hmm. And nobody told us what to write. So we were just writing fun, upbeat things for, you know, for the market. After I left Girl Games, Mattel hired me as an outside producer. And then I started Mm -hmm. really getting involved with the Barbie stuff. I can't even remember all of the games that I had a hand in, either music or production or design. But for music, the big one for us was um, Barbie Got a Groove. I don't know if you remember that. Okay. So it's called Generation Girl, which was a set of Barbies. And they were all modern Barbies. And this one was about music and dance. And mm. so the technology that we used to create that was really you know, ahead of its time. We shot dancers and motion capture and a motion capture mm-hmm. studio and then digitize them and then you got to play with in the game you got to play with the character and the dance moves that you wanted and then emulate those as a character or an avatar in the game and we wrote all the wow. that and that was really fun for us how did you two start collaborating as a mother and son duo how did that come about can i answer that shane or you can yeah you can you can answer that because <laughs> i can remember further back so okay so all three of my sons shane has twin younger brothers all three of my sons are musicians and i was a musician and a songwriter and doing all kinds of things around music and as a mom we always had musical instruments in the house and so it was super easy to hang out doing music things in our house so when Shane started, or Shane started playing violin when he was, what, nine? 
And he was kind of a prodigy. It's like every instrument he picked up, he was really good at. Mm -hmm. And so I I think you were only like 20 when we got that girl game. (laughs) And we were writing, uh, basically, we just went in our studio during an ice storm. After I got the job, I said, we got to write some pop songs like right now while we're in this ice storm, (laughs) right? That's how it started, really, because we just Mm -hmm. went into the studio and just started noodling around with fun lyrics and fun beats and came back and then we started writing on the Clueless project. I mean, it was so fast and seamless and we didn't have time to think too much. So anyway, Mm -hmm. we started collaborating and then we got a string of games over the next maybe 10 years, Mm -hmm. different types of things. Shane spun off and did... um, I did some Wii games. um, Yeah, Wii games. For THQ, I don't know if you uh, played All-Star Cheer Squad 1 and 2. So I did that. that was awesome music. That was fun. But yeah, I started to do kind of my own thing that wasn't as connected to songwriting with the mom. But um, that, <laughs> those were always my favorite. We bought houses with the money we made writing music for Barbie. I'll just say that. So we had our Barbie houses, nice. right? And we were we were happy, you know, in the world wow. of songwriting. It's hard to make money, right? Unless you have a hit. Yeah. Especially now. Yeah, like- so the equivalent... We had the equivalent of hit songs because of Mattel's distribution. That's amazing. I was just thinking another one that we had, we were asked to do a original three song CD to be distributed at Disney World for some Mattel promotion. And Mattel was going to promote it and it was given out at Disney World. And I think they gave out a million and a half or two million of those. And so that was the kind of gigs we were getting plus mm-hmm. you know whatever we were getting on the game so it was a good thing and it was fun we had fun and Shane and I were just you know an unlikely songwriting duo but we spoke each other's language like we we got to where we could write songs over the phone if I was on the ro- road I could call him up and, and I could say here's a little lyric and it goes like this right and then he'd just <laughs> down a track and it would be awesome so yeah that's so cool Oh my God. Okay. That just made so many questions pop into my mind. Um, So the first question is, you guys wrote the songs, but did you also fully produce them at home or did you have, like, what was the technology that you used? Well, I went to home studio, you know, I had all the best gear, of course, but Mm -hmm. it was in a bedroom in my house. And uh, that's how we kept the uh, the money coming in. I mean, if we would have had to, you know, take that to a big studio and a big production, we would have uh, limited our profit margin there. So we tried to keep it right. as homegrown as possible and also professional. It was state of yeah. the art at the time for what it was, but it, it worked. The fact that it was like a really stable means of supporting your life financially, as well as creatively is so cool. And I feel like not a lot of people get those opportunities now hearing that story is so i'm like secondhand excited (laughs) for you (laughs) through hearing that those are the glory days we i think when we wrote the songs for clueless Mm -hmm. i was contacted by songwriter or grammy magazine one of those two to do an interview and we were talking Mm -hmm. about licensing music to games and whoever was interviewing me said you know, I asked them, well, so what's the standard for a license to license a song to a game? And they didn't know. And they basically mm. said, you figure it out and call us so we can tell our readership 
you know, this is what people are getting for games. So it was really an anomaly in many ways to, Mm -hmm. from the deal making to the production, to doing it in an indie studio in our house that was ahead of time. And then being in Austin, having access to a lot of talent was awesome. You know, and if we needed any extra instrumentation, we, you know, if we needed a trumpet sound, of course we had violin in the house. So so yeah, so we had we had a lot of people to draw from. That's so cool. And also just like you may not necessarily hear from the people that use these games, like right. the cultural impact is immeasurable for sure. <laughs> because we all spent hours and hours and hours playing these games as kids and well, memorizing all of it. So that's so fantastic to hear. Thank really you. Really, it's cool to hear. I mean, yeah. It's like there, we went years not knowing, you know, what the impact was. And uh, Mattel, oh, yeah. I don't remember what year, but somewhere right after this, Mattel Media, which was the division of Mattel that was doing the gaming, they basically shut down their whole media division for a few mm-hmm. years. And then there were the years that we had Gamergate where the misogyny took over in the game business. And so Barbie games mm-hmm. were thought to be just, you know, meh. You know, they were like silly girl games, right? So there was a lot, yeah. there were a lot of political things going on that align perfectly with general, you know, the general vibe of the of women in the world, right? Yeah. So it's, it's really exciting to see how well the Barbie movie is doing now. I mean, this has been a real boon for me personally, since I have such a long history with that. But, you know, it, it shows the cultural growth since those yeah. days. Because I can tell you there were lots of people out there that didn't think girls wanted to play games, would play games. They didn't care about girl games. And even while I was doing it, it was like that. Well, so you're so you're really like a pioneer of this space that so many people love. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. Honestly, you're welcome. And I, you know, I mean, he still does it. Personal development, artistically, mm-hmm. I I played with Barbies. You know, I loved Barbies, yeah. and Barbies. I mean, there was a whole cultural knowledge for from my own personal use of Barbies. And then when I got to do things like write music for Barbie, I mean, this was like, you know, it was kind of a dream in a way towards the end of the time that I was doing that. One of them was a big project that we did from absolute scratch from a doll that was not even a doll yet. um, Oh, wow. Diva Stars. Did you ever play with Diva Stars? Yes. Okay. So I was a designer and a producer on that. And Shane and I wrote all the songs for that as well. So Mm -hmm. that was so fun. It's really poppy and... I just remember having fun writing those songs, but honestly, I couldn't even, like, I, I memorized the ones in um, Nail Designer and Got a Groove because I really liked those songs, but yeah, but Diva Stars was the last thing I produced for Mattel, and Got it. that, I left the business of making games, mm-hmm. and I started writing books for that same market, and okay. so I've been working on that ever since 2007. Oh, my God. And that I have... Um, Six books that have come out came out in the last few years, but I also have a new new one coming out soon. Yeah, why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, so back right after I left doing the Mattel stuff, I decided I left because I didn't want to do it, make anything plastic. I wanted to mm-hmm. make something very soulful. I wanted mm-hmm. to write a story or a series of stories for that same target market, which was like preteen girls. And yeah. I wanted it to be beautiful. 
I wanted it to be soulful. And there really wasn't anything out there like that. Like the only thing that was out had been out for years, like um, The Secret Garden or something like that. The producer that I mentioned who was inside Michelle and I got a deal to make a movie for girls. She had been making all the Barbie movies at the time. Mm -hmm. So we both went out independently and we were going to make movies for girls. We got a deal with Universal and they said, well, go find a property, a literary property that you like and we'll, we'll put you on the lot and you can produce the movie. And we were like, yeah, wow. you know, that was incredible. Yeah. We went out looking for that property. The only things that we would have given our time and effort to were already licensed by somebody. Mm, so that's okay. what gave me the idea. I said, oh, well, I'm just, I'm just going to write one. And it took me about two years. Um, I put together a proposal for a series of 12 preteen fantasy fiction novels. Mm -hmm. And I got a publishing deal, a giant publishing deal with Random House within about six weeks of putting that in the world. And that never, that also never happens, right? Yeah, right. These were all very heady things. I was going around New York with my agent saying, I just kept reminding her, you know, I've never written a book before, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't believe they were doing it. So yeah, they ended up doing it. I got six of them out before I got sick with breast cancer. And Mm. I took off about four years to treat that. Got it. And so when I came out of the illness, I started writing again, but I wrote a follow-on series and it's called Coded for Greatness. But what it does is it shares the fantasy world of the Fairy Godmother Academy books. And so I'm putting together a series of different types of media. I've got a Roblox game in development. Cool. Release the new books. I'm going to re-release all the old books, um, the Fairy Godmother books alongside of these. So it's super exciting. It's new technology and it's coming. It's going to, the first book will release in November. So it's... Oh my God. You've had like... die. Yeah, we're still going. Um, yeah. You might have thought you were going to talk to us about the past, but we're still at it. Yeah, so it's been really good for me and Shane. When the Barbie movie came out, of course, everybody wanted to know how I felt about it. And I said, it's the best thing that could have happened in my career because it it, it kind of closes the loop, right? You know, right. it says, this product, Barbie, of course, has viability and it's brought into the new times We can speak to girls and women about their experiences through Barbie. And that Mm -hmm. couldn't have happened 20 years ago, right? Right. And we wrote a song. We're going to do a music video for that, put that out along with the book when it comes out. Nice. And we're writing, you know, and we've got our individual projects as well. Shane, you want to talk about what you're doing musically right now? Yeah. I'm full force uh, on this new project called Spherical. And it's basically mm-hmm. like melodic house music, um, but it's cool. kind of chill, beautiful, dreamy kind of style, but mm-hmm. it's also like dance beats. Anyway, I, I'm singing on it. And so I've developed, been developing that sound for the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pretty serious uh, change for me. So I had to like make sure I was going to put something of value into the world. <laughs> and I'm just <laughs> wrapping it up this week. So I'm really excited. Wow. Okay, my last question will be, do you have a favorite song from the Barbie Nail Designer soundtrack? I just happened to have the... Yeah. Trigger <laughs> <on> my memory. <laughs> I sent the playlist. Yes, you did. You did. Oh. And I, went back. I missed that. 
It was a gentle hyperlink. <laughs> I got your playlist. I re-listened to You Were the Girl with Shane singing. And, yes. I, you know, and I was thinking, you know, that song's really cool. It was ahead of yeah. time. And Shane, you sounded so like groovy and, you know, boy band, bandish. So I very <laughs> much like that song. But I also love the song, the Daisy Chain song. But I have a funny story about the song On Sweetness. Okay. Okay, so I was on a diet and I was giving up sugar. And so I had to write a song about candy. The favorite in our house, I'm not sure what the title is, but the one that starts with Fly Girl, Fly, Fly, Fly. Uh, Yeah, Hanging with the Butterflies is the name. Yes. That song is so good. That yeah. one was like, my parents would always sing that opening line. Fly, like, girl, butterfly, fly. Fly, girl, butterfly, fly. Well, I'm glad yeah. that worked because I was, I remember questioning that idea and lyric at the time. You questioning me. And I, you said, <laughs> of course, recently with the Barbie movie and all things Barbie being in everybody's mind, you know, we've had a few more, but. But we're thrilled that you do what you do. And I am particularly thrilled since this represents a huge part of my career. So again, like the fact that I was able to find you guys and that we pulled it together so fast and just to get to know both of you and um, Jan, especially just your career is so cool and has made such a big impact on so many people my age, girls, uh, like Girls and gays, we tend to refer to the group. (laughs) But I mean, it's just very priceless to our demographic. And I just really appreciate it. It really makes me happy to know that there were a bunch of young women out there playing games as little girls and having fun. And it was important, you know, and we thought it was important while we were doing it, too. But you never know, you know, with the world the way it is. So, right. Well, I'm here to vouch for my demographic. We loved them. So thank you. Thank you so much. Have a fun day. Okay. So bearing all that in mind, Audrey, what are some of your favorite things about Nail Designer? Yeah. So like normally we just like do our notes for this section, but we're going to combine talking about kind of our notes and also which is inextricably linked with what we remember about it too and how we played it. And I will say for like all of these games, really, I was primarily the watcher um, (laughs) because Hannah had the PC in her room. That was wild in retrospect. My memories have a lot to do with you spraying that one perfume. Yes. What was it, Mary-Kate and Ashley? It was a Mary-Kate and Ashley body spray. Yeah. Like for some reason, like you would just like spray that shit all the time. So your room smelled strongly of that. Like if I I actually kind of, do you know which one it was? I'm literally going to buy it. Yes. It was like a lavender one. I actually think that I may have found it before, but we could, we could figure it out. So yeah, I would sit next to you in this, in a folding chair and just probably eat snacks or something (laughs) and watch. And it was, that's what I've always been okay with being a watcher. I 
don't mind watching video games. Like I understand people who just sit and watch video games instead of playing them because there's two types of people in the world. For me, with Nail Designer, something about like the quality of the image is very satisfying to me. It's almost Mm -hmm. like impressionistic. Like it's like, it's like they took a picture of a hand and then put like a sketchy filter over it and then used that. Yes. When I think of nail designer, I think really specifically of being in Boston because that's when we first got our, like we never had a PC to play PC games on until we were in Boston. That computer ended up being in my room, but I think we would both play nail designer and mom and dad knew the songs because we would play them out loud because we didn't use headphones yet. Audrey as a kid always had really long, glamorous nails. And so I'm guessing we got this game because someone was like, this reminds me of Audrey. Because even when Audrey was little, she had like little, you had like long nails as a kid. I I just hated cutting my nails as a kid. So like, but yeah, because of that, I mean, there are probably some kids where like, they also hate getting their nails cut, but they don't, they just don't grow out like that. So yeah. that's probably, that's probably why yeah. I was known for that. I mean, they're still long now, but they're not that long right now. But Well, but if you look at Audrey's long. hands right now, like they have looked like that since <laughs> she was like five, which is the funny part. Like the long nails, like the the very sophisticated looking hands. She's had those forever. I'm guessing that we got this game as like a reference to you having fancy nails. Our grandma, our dad's mom also was really into painting nails and having long nails. And so there's just something in my brain that connects this game also with that a little bit because she would paint our nails when we were around. She would paint Audrey's nails. Well, listen, (laughs) you didn't make it easy. I know. I bit the shit out of my nails. It was not good. So when I was watching it this time, I was really pleased with the whole brewing your own nail polish machine. I'd forgotten about yeah. that. I was I literally was like, what am I looking at? I was like, this this image is crazy. The custom images were killing me. Also, remember that um yeah. that flower camera? Yes. We wanted that camera. Yes. But we didn't get it. It was like a white digital camera with like a purple flower around the lens, right? Yeah. I don't even know if it was digital, to be honest. Did you see the camera in the game? It's there. Yes. And I was like, oh my God, what a great like product integration there. It was kind of weird, but it's like you can like use the camera to like take a picture of the Barbie doll and then put that image you took on the nail. Like it's like. Yeah. So it's like. Okay, I'm not totally sure because this is where this program would always get like way too complicated for us. Onto your nails, you could add like JPEGs. And a lot of them were like pictures of like real life, like mid 90s Barbie faces. But I think you could also probably upload your own pictures. Yeah. But you could. I saw them like, I saw them in the like drop down menu, like picking something. It kind of gets a little nuts there. And as the reviewer said, it's very hard to print them out correctly. We got ours printed out one time. Again, we have the pictures to prove it. But you wouldn't get them printed out very often because at least in our house, like, 
color printing came at a premium when we were younger. Yeah. Yeah, and then by the time we graduated high school, we were like, we, we, were, we were running a damn off. Kinko's out of <laughs> We actually were. Like, it was wild. I feel like no no other <laughs> child. a damn Kinko's. <laughs> no yeah. other kids or fellow teenagers had the type of access to color print that we, we did. did. I also just want to say, so when you first start playing Nail Designer, there are like three paths you can take, like three different themes, essentially. Yeah. And one of them is like daisies, and the other one is like diamonds and jewels. And then the other one is like hippie, like flowers, like stylized flowers, which reminded me about my hippie phase. I forgot that oh, I even had yeah. that. I have three totally cool nail styles, each with its own manicure table full of colors and decorations. Daisy Days will perk you up with its pretty stickers and pastels. With cool style nails, you get hot colors, the latest stickers, and some great glitter. Or choose glossy glamorous shade for a fun evening out. We'll make your nails sparkle and shine. Yeah, the hippie phase that yeah. kind of turned into like cargo. Yes. It like turned into like cargo and then it turned into like goth or emo. Really em- emo. It was, here's goth. what happened. Here's what happened. Hippie phase started in like fourth grade because I was a hippie for Halloween. And then I kept wearing the piece, the plastic peace sign necklace like every day. And then I got into Avril Lavigne, so it morphed into, like, let go era Avril Lavigne cosplay plus a plastic peace sign (laughs) necklace. And then the necklace eventually went away, and then it turned into emo. Guitar necklace. Guitar necklace, which I had also had in fourth grade. There's I've had a lot of phases in life, yeah. but the hippie one is an underrated one, an under-discussed one. And there's a really good picture of me from that era mm-hmm. that we might have already shared for Let Go because I'm wearing cargo shorts. We can probably move on from this yeah. one, but I didn't actually realize, like when I watched the playthrough, I was like, they didn't go to the printing part. So I was like tripping. I was like, was that real or did yeah, I imagine yeah, yeah. it? So it was real. Okay, so now on to Sparkling Ice Show. I would just like to say that this game was really never hard or all that demanding, but it it like soothed my soul in like an ASMR adjacent way. Yeah, and it looks hard. Like when I was watching the playthrough, I was like, because the the voice um, described or like tells you the directions. And as I was sitting there, I was like, why does this seem really hard when it's so so not? But they like overcomplicate it with the words. Something that bugged me about this game and still bugged me to this day when I see it, it's less common now, but when the animated version of the character on the marketing is highly different than the version that you get in the actual game. Yes. Like the face, even from the menu, like from the game's menu to the actual game is so different. I'm like, these are like three different women. I know. And then it's also funny because there is that one opening cut scene where she does look really good. They, yeah. It's like they actually animated like one thing in yeah, the Yeah, and the rest game. is just like block face vibes. It's so bad. Yeah. The outfits, they do not great. skimp on the outfits. There's five locations and I think there's 
five outfits per location, which honestly is kind of shocking that they did that many. And that was the focus. They were concerned about the costume and the interior slash exterior design of the place. It's so funny. It's like... This like f the skating. That's not what matters. Okay. Yeah. It's about what you wore, and if there was an Eiffel Tower replica next to you. <laughs> yeah. And if you had custom dyed ice. Yeah. Like what ice colors? <laughs> like I don't even think that's a thing. No, it's it's not. At least professionally, it's not. I mean, but you could like dye the water if if you ever felt like doing the most pointless activity ever, you could dye that much water and then let it freeze. That would work. That's true. Okay, wait, this is making me think of something. You could, you know what? Maybe it's really more just like the lighting. Cause like you can light ice to look different colors. Yeah, that's probably That's really it. what it is. <laughs> well, but here's my question. Is ice skating ice actually water? Or is it like a frozen <laughs> chemical? It's water. How do you know? I mean, maybe they're adding things to it, but it's definitely water. An ice rink is a frozen body of water and or an artificial sheet of ice created using hardened chemicals where people can ice skate or play winter sports. I mean, it's not like I thought it was like organic or anything, but I definitely feel like water needs to be involved. Probably. Okay, someone wrote an article. Can you get sick from eating ice from the ice skating floor? Maybe don't do that. (laughs) I caught a seven-year-old putting ice that's remnant on her ice skates in their mouth, or she would eat the ice off her gloves. I told her to stop, but she sneaks it in. Is there chemicals in there? Trying to rule things out. Da-da-da-da. Okay, there's a lot of people I mean, discussing definitely this. don't eat anything that a million people have skated over. <laughs> no, that would be bad. One of my favorite things in the game is when Farpy's like, next on our tour is International City Park. There's the poster for International City Park. <laughs> Click on the International City Park to get started. Like, she says it so many times. yeah. First stop, International City Park. Click the International City Park poster to begin our tour. International City Park. Let's skate. The way she said Misty Mountain, she was like, Misty Mountain. (laughs) (laughs) She was just very passionate about Misty Mountain. I thought it was funny that the Island Paradise skating rink had like only problematic options for outfits. Yeah. Yeah. And like and like tiki poles and like there's some sketchy ones. It was ones. just so funny. Yeah. Okay, but here's my question. Did this game influence you to begin your figure skating career or was that due to Michelle Kwan and Ice Princess or what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. I think what actually it was is I got this game after I started ice skating. I know that for a fact. okay. But I do think Michelle Kwan was like my gateway because- Big influence. Yeah. I think we had, there was like a book on Michelle Kwan in my elementary school classroom or something. And I read it or I saw it and I was like, that seems fierce. And then so I started doing it. Then I got the game. I'm pretty sure I was done skating by the time Ice Princess entered my life. Yeah, that seems accurate. Because I only did it for a few years- but I really loved it when I did it. And then I had to it's stop. It's expensive. I 
talked about my foot issues on Ice Princess, I oh, think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. My gait is slightly off. So. You were into figure skating, but not dance, when they are pretty related. Like, they actually are. I think because the expectation is so much lower with ice skating for, like, a kid to be good at it that, like, I liked doing it more because there was less pressure to, like, perform or, like, be good at it. Whereas in dance, it's, like... It's more easy to tell. Yeah, and, like, there's really no recitals in ice skating. Like, I technically did one, like, one time. But that's more about... there's footage. It's not... (laughs) about being good at performing. It's about, like, proving that you can skate in a line. Unless you're, like, older. I'm surprised that playing this game, I didn't get more motion sickness because it's kind of, like, zoomed in quite close to be turning as much as it does. The best part of Sparkling Eyes show is when you finally unlock skating in heaven and it's like pink clouds, like pink and orange clouds and you're like in the sky and it's just like the fantasy. I love that. That was awesome. Skating in heaven. Yeah, that's the highlight. Say Yes to Heaven by Lana Del Rey, but you're in Sparkling Eyes show. That sounds so good, actually. I'm making that. I will make that edit. (laughs) Just the sound of scraping. That's all we get. Yeah. <laughs> Last but not least, we have Barbie Pet Rescue. This might be the magnum opus. I think it is. Like, of the three, it's definitely the most advanced. Yes. I gotta be honest, I was watching this shit, like, intrigued, like, what is the solution? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I was like, because you'll be in the pet rescue situation, you see the pet and you have to figure out what item in the whole setup of the environment is the thing that will help the pet be rescued. Yeah. So like there's a puppy. This is the one that got me. I was like, (laughs) what? She's at a playground. There's a puppy at the top of the slide. And Barbie is like, how can we get him to come down? He's scared, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, bitch, go up the stairs and grab the puppy. Like, but we can't do that because the game is too rudimentary to do that. So what she said is that the puppy could freak out. Yeah, but like, but here's the thing. When she said that, I was like, so we don't want the puppy to go down the slide. There's the puppy stuck on the top of that slide. Hmm. If I climb up to get her, she might become frightened. Then she could jump down and get hurt. How do you think we can get her down safely? Oh, she's too nervous to come down. Because if you're saying, I'm not going to go up there because it'll startle him, the puppy would go forward and would go down the slide. So much to my dismay, when we figure (laughs) out that we need the little, like, cup in the sandbox to go fill it up with water so that the puppy is so parched that it will slide down the slide safe, safely and slowly safely. and then take a sip from the cup. Like, I'm yeah. like, this is not the solution. Like, I don't, yeah. my child brain would not have thought that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's some fresh, cool water for you, girl. Here she comes. We did it! The puppy's safe and sound thanks to you. It was always a little bit of a head scratcher. Yeah, it's like, oh, let me just go click on every object. I know. 
I also thought that the turtle rescue thing was a little bit of a reach, like looking <laughs> under rocks for a turtle. Like, it's like I guess, dead. <laughs> right, dead if it was under point. the rock, it'd be dead. I guess maybe the idea is like, it looks like a rock until you lift it and then you discover it's turtle. Is that yeah. the idea? These animals are damn adorable. They are really cute. The bunnies and the turtles always got me as the a kid. Bunnies. Like the bunnies are so cute. It the animation reminds me a little bit of Wonder Pets, actually. Yeah. There's something similar between the two with the the realism of the like fur type of thing. Yeah. But it's also sketchy looking and it's also like cutesy. It's like a real rabbit as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Like it it almost looks like it might be actual live action, Footage like through a bunch of filters. I think so. I think yeah. it is. Because um, it looks so good. The pet rescue lobby is a liminal space. I was just thinking the same thing. Yes. Why are they staring at me like that? It's I know. scary. It's I know. Scary. And Kelly's swinging her feet, or what's your name? Skipper? Yeah. The, the, the little one. Yes. Um, is swinging her feet, just staring at you. It's scary. There is a thing about this game that's really weird, which is that a lot of it is in like real time. Yeah. Barbie going to get the um, cup of water. It's like there's the screen where there's the, the swing set or whatever, the playground. She walks off screen. Then she enters a new screen, has to walk all the way across <laughs> and through that screen to then get to the water fountain. She fills it up, goes Like they back. divide it up. They divide up yeah. the environment so that you have to leave screens and enter new screens to find the object. And I'm like, I would really appreciate a panoramic view of this right. place. Like, can we like, not just scroll over? Like, uh, oh, okay. The best part of the game to me is like removing the burrs from the rabbit yeah. and like, like cleaning the pets. Yeah, that was the best part. It's so good. And also Satisfying. when you get to go and pet the kittens and all you're doing yep. is just petting really realistic kittens. Mm-hmm. So cute. And that's what lends itself to like, this is a good game for kids who won't have a pet or like can't have a pet. Yeah. It, it like gives you that feeling without yeah. the maintenance. Doesn't mean you don't still want a pet though. Like actually it might only right. make it worse for the parents. Right. We were not like demanding a pet as children. I think. No, I really begged for um a hamster, but that was it. Yeah. Didn't even get that though. Nope. But we did pet sit one once. <laughs> I know, and it was awesome. That's why I wanted one. There is footage of that also. Oh my God, if Annie Bauer is listening, it was spunky. It was spunky. It was spunky, and I loved watching spunky. That was like the best thing yeah. ever. I had no fear of spunky either. Like I was handling spunky, and I feel I know, like- we- we handled Spunky. In retrospect, like, I would have been a little bit scared I'd be bitten or something, but... Spunky was, like, a pretty good little guy. Yeah. Very unruly looking. <laughs> I know. He had, like, really long fur. <laughs> like, you could, like, make a Jimmy Neutron out of it really easily. Yeah. I remember also one time he, like, pooped while I was holding him and, like, a yeah. little poop fell on my bed, but they're, like, pellets, so it's yeah. not, like, that not bad. Gross. But I was very much like, oh, my God, Spunky. It's real. <laughs> oh, dear. You know what I was shook by? Well, my favorite part was always the turtle mini game. I love the turtle mini game. Yes. Um, but first of all, Barbie, keep I, the, the playthrough that I watched, she's, like, flickering in and out. Really? 
Yeah, like her, that might just be like this person's game. But um, she was kind of flickering in and out. Like she wasn't that, she wasn't that solidly animated in there. I was surprised that they tell you that they autosave a JPEG to your hard drive of the award. Like whenever you get like a new award, it was like, we just saved the file to your hard drive so that you can print it out. But ask your parents and they'll be so proud of you. I was like, huh? Your award has been saved to your computer's hard drive in a special folder. You can print it out later or get your parents to help you. I bet they'll be really proud of you. That seems like, how did that game like have the right or the ability to do that? Yeah, I was like, you save something to their hard drive? When the hard drives were so small back then, like relatively small. I guess they just went there. Barbie was claiming her space. Yeah. Do you know what the storyline is for why there was a monkey on the playground? I missed that. Okay. Was it a zoo thing? No. I think this is my thing with like, that monkey. Where is she? I think is she's she like a Amazon? domesticated monkey. It's like someone's pet monkey. But the thing with that monkey that fucks me up is that all the other animals look really realistic. And there yeah. is something deeply wrong with that monkey. Well, they didn't film one. That's my guess. Clearly. Yeah. So... It's really, really creepy, especially with that cutscene at the end after the dog rescues the monkey and then they hug and it's like yeah, a scary, it's scary monkey with real dog. Yeah. Also, I have a complaint, which is like, okay, we go to the farm once and then every single other time it's at that same playground that the pet gets rescued. And I'm like, all right, we got to go through the three screens of the thing every single time. Bit underwhelming, but it is what it is. They all look great. I will say that. Yeah, but I have to say, like, I don't think I enjoyed this game as much or even watching it because it wasn't glam. Oh, no, it's not glam at all. And, like, you want to talk about (sighs) girls and gaming, like, here's the thing. It's like you tried to make a game for girls that was, like, a little less glam, and I am bored. I'm sorry. It also reminds me of your ongoing thesis, which is, I don't want to see Barbie in a vest. No, It's like, God damn, like, at least, like, you invented her for a reason. Like, at least let us have it. Like, what was she made for? Not wearing a vest. Not wearing a vest. I'll tell you that much. Like, I don't know. I do think that for a lot of people, like, seeing, you know, it's the whole thing where it's like, Barbie can be anything. So, and so I can be too. So it's like. this is a version of that. Yeah. So, like, if you were an animal girl, I'm sure that this was really big. But for Mm -hmm. us, it was like, we didn't have pets. We didn't give a shit about vests or cargo shorts. (laughs) Or animals, TBH. I mean. Or animals. We weren't animal girls. No. We were um, live action musical and doll girls. But at the same time, I still loved playing this game, like scrubbing the grime off that turtle shell. There's nothing like yeah. it. There's like, there was like satisfying elements, but like the thesis as a whole, or like the premise, not the thesis, I wasn't that into. So yeah, I don't know who got it for us, but they were a little bit off the mark with that. Okay, but we loved it. I mean, we're still talking about it now. Like if we didn't like it, we wouldn't talk about it. I don't think I really played it myself. I think I watched you play it. Ultimately, do these further the Barbie brand, I guess. Not, I, I almost want to say no. 
because they are so outsourced. I think that in making Barbie like ubiquitous in new media at the time, like finding a way to branch it out from just the yeah. physical dolls, it's that cool. it did a good job. Yeah. And and we definitely, I'm sure we'll be hearing from listeners like all the, actually I've asked that question before with the Barbie movie. I did do a post on Barbie games that people played. And there was a whole variety of ones that I had never heard of. Yes. Um, so There's a ton. They clearly hired a lot of different companies to make these games. I looked at the list. It was yeah, extreme. They're, they're well-loved. I'm kind of sad we didn't have, like, there's got to be a Princess in the Popper game. Oh, there we is. We didn't have that. Yeah. I'm, I need to watch that playthrough. Same, same. There's a, you can find a list of all the games on Wikipedia and some of them have articles and some don't, but it's definitely worth looking at just because the list is really funny. As it relates to Barbie, like, I, it almost feels like its own separate venture. It's like Barbie, even like from like Barbie dolls to Barbie movies to Barbie games, it feels like not the same thing. Yeah. It feels like three different things we're talking about here. Yeah. Because she always looks different <laughs> and there's like no consistency. I mean, Barbie is every woman. Well, she always well, looks like a different blonde white woman. <laughs> right. She's not every woman, but she looks like, like every kind of the woman she is. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. It would be funny to like make a collage of like all the different versions of her face. <laughs> yes. I just want to say thank you again to Jan and Shane for taking the time to talk with me about the Nail Designer soundtrack. That was incredible. I'm so happy to know both of them. Fly girl, butterfly, fly. And please let us know if you liked this episode. If you want to have more game episodes, this was really fun. I don't think I've laughed so hard recording a sleepover episode in a long long time. time. All the media that we have taken in as kids can kind of occupy a similar pocket of our brain. And I feel like games are really similar. I'm happy to be here personally. So let us know if you want to hear more. We're going to want to do more. So yeah. We'll so see you might happens. be getting it regardless. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> but as always, you can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingproductions.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at Sleepover Cinema and post a full video version of each episode on YouTube every Thursday. You can follow me, Audrey, at Audriana Leach on everything. And you can follow me, Hannah, at Hannah Ray Leach on Instagram and at Lana Von Trapp on Twitter. Please, if you haven't yet, join our Discord server at the link in the description or on evergreenpodcasts.com. You can check out our merch at tupingproductions.com slash shop. We have t-shirts, sweatshirts, stickers, and more. And if you played any of these games with your siblings, with your neighbors, with your cousins, or just by your own little... Uh, only child self. This episode is for you and please share it with your people because this one's special. Five stars, five stars, five stars. Oh yeah, please. <laughs> Lastly, Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Roll Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Executive producer is Michael DeLoya. Are you sure you want to quit? Don't quit. <laughs> Try <Bye-bye>. again. <laughs> You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. 
My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.